Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine. We hope you'll learn and sip along with us, too. Welcome back to our podcast, Wines We Drink. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, joined here by my co-host, Keith. Welcome back. Hello, Charlotte. It's great to be back for our second episode. We get to drink this episode. I'm excited. (laughs) We're delighted to be part of your wine journey, too. On our first episode, we explained that our goal of this podcast is to expand your wine knowledge as we bring you along with the wines we will drink. So with our first episode explaining our podcast behind us, it's time in this episode to drink some wine. Let's get started. Yeah, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me on this, what I think is a delightful exploration of wines. Today, we're starting off with the famous Cabernet Sauvignon varietal. Uh, As I said in our opening episode, if we're going to start somewhere drinking wine together, let's start with the number one varietal around the world, and that's Cabernet Sauvignon. One of the reasons that the Cabernet Sauvignon grape is so popular around the world is it's not as challenging to grow as some of the other varietals, and they will grow in a variety of conditions, and that's kind of made this varietal ubiquitous in the wine world. I mean, you'll find it, you know, in the famous Bordeaux region of France. Obviously, that's where Cabernet became famous. But you'll find it all over the place in in Australia and uh, uh, South Africa and uh, different parts of, of Europe other than France. And, of course, in our own California's Napa Valley. And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be tasting from California's Napa Valley. Um, The one that I've chosen is one of my all-time favorites. It's a 2012 vintage from the Maryville Winery in St. Helena. And you've already opened the bottle here and you've poured it into a decanter, which I'm going to describe visually here for those that are listening. It's got a rather wide bottom and a skinny spout. Um, (laughs) That's how I'm going to describe it in my novice descriptions here. So I can see that it's a deep red color. And I'm looking forward to tasting this one. So first, please explain to our listeners why a red wine like this needs to be decanted. Well, that's a a really good question. I I think that um, decanting is basically aerating wine. Uh, The phrases are often used interchangeably. Um, Exposure to air can bring out some of the true aromas of a really bold wine like a Cabernet Sauvignon. But, but you don't have to overdo the decanting. I mean, in some cases, decanting is almost like showmanship in some ways. <laughs> but uh, for most red wines, uh, a few minutes to an hour is typically long enough. And, and sometimes you can actually buy the little aerators that will go in the end of a bottle. And rather than decanting it, you can use the aerator. And that will also open up the wine and give it some exposure to air, which just brings out more of the characteristics right? Great. So I'm going to pour us a couple of glasses now. Let's do it. So uh, just take the, the glass and um, I want you to, but before you sip it, you know, just give it a little swirl around. You know? I've seen this done before. I'm very excited. <laughs> just give it a little swirl. The little swirl. And then, um, and then just Put it up to your nose, nose the wine a little bit, mm. and and uh, and and uh, give me your first impression of of what you're smelling. Yeah, it's a very bold 
bold smell. It's almost warm and maybe a little spicy. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. m- m- kind of sp- a little spicy notes. A little spicy. Okay. Okay. So, yes. I mean, this is one of those uh, wines that is going to have some some um, baking spices mm. uh, flavor in it. In, in fact, even when you look at the, the, the winemaker's wine notes, he mentions um, um, the baking spices are going to greet you as you take a breath. Wow, look at and me so, go. And so you immediately picked up on that. Absolutely. It's right there at the forefront and not even knowing what I was supposed to be smelling for. You can definitely <laughs> pick up on that at least. Great. Okay, so, so now uh, take your first sip. Any technique? No, just have a nice little sip. Okay. <laughs> hmm So I'm not only just smelling the spicy, I'm tasting the spicy, but I'm also getting maybe a little fruit. I'm trying to place it. I'm well, have... well you'll, definitely, you'll definitely be getting some fruit notes. Okay. So if you had to decide kind of how to isolate those fruit notes, what, what comes to mind? It may be the color that's steering me the wrong way, but I am getting some cherry. Okay. And yeah, I'm going to stick with cherry, but I'm not sure if there's any others there. Well, you're just on it today. Oh, man. Because the, the, <laughs> the tasting notes talk about this broad mid palette with notes of dark cherry. Oh, wow. See, yeah, that that explains everything then. I feel very proud of myself. I'm a sommelier on my way, everyone. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it, it's where I thought I would struggle more. You just you just sort of trust your palate, and it was a very familiar flavor. Right. So, you know, for me, when I first drank this, I really got the black currant, mm. right? That kind of almost um, uh, other ripe berries, like almost blackberry and some raspberry, maybe some notes in there. There's real berry tiness mm-hmm. in there. You found the cherry. To me, the cherry flavor is a little bit more buried under this in this wine. And I see the, and I hear, and I and I taste the currant and the and maybe the blackberry and some others. But it's really interesting. Not only do the tasting notes talk about the baking spices that you picked up on, they also talk about sage. Oh, interesting. Right? Sage, yeah. So do you, do you get some of that? Yeah, sage is very aromatic, and it's definitely definitely coming through now that I know to look for it. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I think that, you know, you will, you will, um, uh, can be steered into actually tasting the flavors once you read the winemaker's tasting notes. And so that's why I wanted you to taste this wine before hearing anything that the winemaker had to say about it, right? It was a rather petrifying experience. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I mentioned this in the first episode. I think whenever uh, one goes to wine tastings, it can be an intimidating experience for someone who doesn't know what to look out for. Well, I think that's the whole point. That's kind of taking wine and making it pretentious. And wine should not be pretentious. Wine should be accessible and should be fun and should be part of our dining experiences and just part of our celebrations. I mean, wine is meant to be enjoyed. And I think that uh, the thing for me 
you know, with wine is that I can remember certain events and places and things, you know, when I was having a really great glass of wine, right? And, and you want to associate those wonderful meals with that wonderful bottle of wine that you had with it, right? So uh, let's just make sure that we understand for our listeners that our whole point of this podcast is to remove the pretentiousness from wine and understand that we can enjoy it and have fun with it. Well, and I definitely feel as though I am enjoying this glass here and maybe establishing my first set of memories with with this varietal. And this is one of your favorites too, one that extends far back, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, I I think that, well, first of all, I have a very uh, personal connection to the Maryvale Winery. Uh, In the first episode, I talked about my uh, epiphany experience of having lunch in a wine uh, cave in Napa, and it was at the wine, the Maryvale Winery, and uh, <clears throat> that winery has gone through you know different ownerships over over the years, uh, but the people there now are making amazing wines, and this one, I believe, is just a great example of California's approachable Cabernet Sauvignons. Um, the 2012 vintage, the specific year that this wine uh, was, uh, the grapes were grown. They enjoyed a, a really extended growing season that year, and, and the winemakers there tell us that that allowed for some really nice development of the tannins that we associate with red wines, and it also nicely balanced those tannins with some with just the right amount of this acidity. So you, you, you get a wine that's just well-structured, you know, that 2012. So, so this is a bold wine, though. I mean, it's 14.7% alcohol by volume, um, but I don't think it's overpowering in that regard. No, definitely not. It it goes down very smoothly. It hits the palate immediately very, very smoothly. And then that boldness and that sharpness, maybe from the berries and maybe from the cherries and the currants comes in <laughs> a few seconds later. So you mentioned all of this beautiful detail about this amazing wine. And you mentioned accessibility, too, of wine. So I'm eager to know how much this bottle would set me back. <laughs> Well, honestly, there's not a lot of this 2012 vintage left out there in the supply chain to purchase. Um, if you if you can find it, um, you know, there's different places that will help you look for wine and 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 certain um, uh, package stores in your area or you know wine merchants in your area may be able to go in and say, hey, I really want the 2012 Maryville Cabernet Sauvignon. And from that, they may, they can they may be able to find it for you. So if you do find it, you can expect to pay between seventy dollars and ninety five dollars for this bottle. Um, it is recognized by the wine reviewers as a classic Cabernet Sauvignon, and the Vivino app, which we'll talk about a lot on this. I really like that. I think that the Vivino app is democratizing wine and allowing people to have that on their phone. And at a restaurant, you can look up the different things on the wine list and and have a, have a tool that will help you select the wine. Well, in this case, the Vivino app has ranked this particular wine as one of the top 1% of all wines in the world. So if you're drinking a top 1% of all wine in the world, I think that's a pretty good value, right? Absolutely. Are you kidding? I had no idea that this, what was tasting, you know, touching my taste buds was in the top 1%. That is incredible. So if you, but if you, you know, if you can't find the the 2012, and, and it is rare at this point, um, a good substitute would be Maryville's 2016 vintage. 
the review started coming in on strong on that one last year, and it has a very similar profile to this wine. For the 2016, you can buy directly from the winery now uh, for about $65 a bottle for that. And I think that's a really good price for a craft Cabernet. It's not mass produced, right? Right. And, um, and uh, that's a good high quality, uh, high quality wine. It's not cheap, but it's not super expensive. I mean, you can go out on the, you know, the various uh, Cabernets in California and pay, you know, north of 150 to 200 to 300 dollars a bottle Oof. for some. So I think this uh, was selected. I selected this one because I felt like it represented supreme quality at a really good value. It's not going to break the bank. Right. The one, the one thing I think it's also important to note about how we're doing this podcast is we're choosing the wines we drink because I like them. <laughs> we're not choosing them because there's any affiliate marketing relationship. In fact, I doubt the people at Maryville would even know that I'm talking about them today. So so I just wanted to put that out there for our listeners. <laughs> not <There's>, sponsored. <laughs> not not sponsored. We're we're tasting these wines because I like them and I've chosen them for this podcast because I want the listeners to um, love these types of wines as much as I do. Well, thanks for filling in those details. And I think this has been a wonderful first bottle of wine to start our podcast journey with. Before we wrap up, I do have another question for you. I sure. picked up on the fact that you picked up your glass by the stem. What is your take on stemless glassware? And can you offer some thoughts on why why, why is there a, maybe some controversy between stemless and stem? Well, you know, um, again, it's a, it's a consumer preference. But for me... Um, if you hold the glass of wine with your hand, the warmth from your hand is going to warm up the wine in the, bo- in, the, in, the, in the bowl of the glass. And that's not the way, you know, you don't want your Cabernet Sauvignon to be warmed up, right? So the purpose of holding the glass by the stem is to uh, keep the glass from being warmed by the warmth of your hand. Even with a room temperature wine? Yes, Good to know. Good to know. Fun fact. Well, (laughs) thank you for that. Uh, We'll be back in a moment to wrap up this episode with our weekly wine word, tannins. Excellent. As our plan for each episode, we'll conclude with this educational feature, our take on a specific wine word. This episode, the word is tannins. Keith, what does this mean in the context of wine? I, I used that word, Charlotte, earlier today when describing the 2012 vintage as one that the California wine growers and winemakers had described as having a nice development of tannins that we associate with red wines. Well, essentially, tannins are these molecules that cause a drying sensation in our mouth, right? We also associate tannins with tea. So think about drinking a really strong cup of black tea, and you can begin to understand what I mean by that drying sensation. So when you were drinking this wine, did you actually sense some of the tannins, that drying sensation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it didn't last for long. It, you know, it lasted for maybe one or two seconds, and then immediately I was, I didn't feel dehydrated. (laughs) Right, right. So, you know, so much of the tannins in red wines you know, comes from the grape skins that are left in contact with the wine through the fermentation process. 
But uh, as many red wines age in oak barrels, which this has been aged, um, um, you, you will get some of the tannins from the oak that is imparted into the wine. And that's part of the complexity and part of the flavor structure that goes in there. So, so you know, these kind of tannins uh, provide that structure and allows the, the wines like a Cabernet Sauvignon to age better over time. And then I think as it ages, right, as that wine ages, the tannins tend to mellow out some, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also important to consider the tannins when you consider pairing your wine with food, right? Mm-hmm. And then we always talk about this food and wine pairing, right? Yes, you know? I'm very and, lost by that concept. <laughs> so I'm very curious to well, see how these pair together. Well, for example, fatty foods pair really well with tannins, as does red meat, hmm. right? Uh, the tannins are attracted to the proteins in the meat, in the red meat, and they help release the fav- flavors of the meat, right? To the contrary, though, that drying sensation of tannins doesn't work well at all with spicy foods. So you would enjoy a bowl Cabernet like the one we've been drinking today with a juicy steak. I would not recommend that you pair this with spicy Thai or Indian food. Hmm. I'm taking notes for my next dinner party. (laughs) So, So you can see how sometimes if you understand some of the flavor profiles and what makes up that flavor profile is how we can then understand where the wines and food kind of come together and pair. And complement one another. That's the right word, complement. We certainly don't want the wines to be in conflict with the food we're eating. And so a really tanniny red wine, uh, astringent almost, you know, a really would, would just not go well if your mouth is already being attacked by the spiciness, if you will, <laughs> of a Thai dish or, or, a, or an Indian dish, for example. Right. Well, thanks, Keith, for that explanation of this episode's wine word. I'm already looking forward to next week's bottle of wine as we open a Pinot Noir and learn from Keith about the story of this famous red grape and the delicious wines we get from it. Thanks for joining us on The Wines We Drink. Thank you for having me again, Charlotte. This has been fun. <laughs> thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be the first to listen to future episodes and follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers. <laughs>